welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. In this series on the King and the Kingdom, our core text is coming out of Luke chapter 12, verses 29 through 32. And I've been... For the last uh, two days, I've been, I've been really purposeful about trying to get out specifically what the Lord wants to release today, and even more so impacted by that when I heard Ryan minister what he ministered. Usually Ryan um, talks for three or four minutes before, he, uh, before we go into worship, and I thought it was really, uh, uh, to me, ironic that he was eight or nine minutes talking about the love of God. And then what Mitchell said, because both of them literally gave an amazing commercial for what we're about to do in here. So we're already like on the road. All I got to do is keep the car, the car over the line and, and we're going to be fine because they already put us on the road. That, that, I was so blessed by the fact that they were so, um, congruent with the Spirit of God that was impressing upon my heart and the fact that God really purposefully over the last two and a half days has made me like stay in here, nose to the grindstone, stay focused on stuff. In fact, Craig freaked me out because I was standing somewhere and I was staring off into space and I was in the spirit. And Craig walked up. He's like, hey, you know, oh, I'm on earth. <laughs> and Craig's like, sorry, I know that look. <laughs> I, I, I hope to kind of to do that where I'm, I'm on, I got a foot on the earth and I got a foot in the clouds. And so I want to, I want you to go with me. So if you're kind of in the natural and you're struggling with ever in the natural, stop it. We're going to, we're going to rise up. The Lord said, seek not what you shall eat, what you shall drink. Neither be of doubtful mind. And I know that we know that Jesus said this, but so many folks don't, uh, don't really take that as God speaking directly to them. Because tomorrow morning you'll wake up and you'll spend the next 40 hours seeking what you eat and what you drink. You can go to work without seeking what you eat and what you drink. You can go to work and go as unto the Lord. You can go... You know, when we're done here today, you can leave here and do things as unto the Lord, or you can just do things. From the outside, if I was watching you, from the outside, they both look the same. But from the inside, everything is different. It's completely up to you. It's a, de- it's a decision from the heart. And, and most folks don't know how to live from that center part of them. We're so cerebral and we embrace um, the, the psychology of this world that we don't let our psyche, which is our soul, we don't let our psyche be ministered to by our Lord. And so therefore, we have people like Sigmund Freud, who was an, an incredible failure 
tell us how to direct our souls. Incredible. For all these things do the nations, the word nations is ethos, um, which is talking about an ethnic group. That's where we get our English word ethnic. So this is how the ethnicity of the people of this world live. So if you are of a natural ethnicity, the way that those folks live is by living their whole life to be a consumer. i got to go do something so I can get something, so I can consume it, and then I'm out, and then I go do something so I can get something, and then I consume it, and then I'm out, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, and that's the way of life. Hopefully at the end you got enough in your pension that you can do a few things that you want. But most people get to that stage, they're so worn out from doing everything they did to build the pension that they die. I know hundreds of them. I've done their funerals. They retire. Nine months later, 12 months, 16 months later, they're dead. And the reason is because at least when they were working, they felt like they had a purpose. As soon as they retire, they lost their purpose. They think their purpose is to get in an RV and drive around. That's not a purpose. (laughs) It's the farthest thing from a purpose. The ethnic groups of this world, or the natural way of life, is to live seeking what your natural provisions need to be. Jesus said, don't. Does anybody need me to define don't? Do anybody have children? And, and you said, do you, you know, no means no. Okay, well, God says no. And your father, all the things, all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Worldly people seek after these things. And your father knows that you have need of these things. This is comical to me because obviously I'm a pastor and so almost in every environment... Uh, people put on their capitulatory Christian face and do all their capitulatory Christian stuff. And so when they pray, they, you know, they change their voice and, Oh, Father, thou art holiness of righteous Godish. And they do all the stuff. And I, I don't think they realize, like, I think they're as foolish as God does, but it's, it's, it's nice. Thank you. Uh, and when I hear people pray, Especially very religious people. Jesus talked about this. Very, very religious people uh, pray a lot. So if you want to be a religious failure, pray all the time. I got one ha. Uh, Go read Matthew chapter 6 in your free time. Jesus said that Pharisees pray all the time. (laughs) Amen. Amen, Pastor. Good word. Thanks. When religious folks pray, I find it interesting that they spend the first portion of their prayer letting God know all the things that he didn't know. God, I need some money. And God, don't you know my wife? And God, that pastor at that church. And God, did you hear the sound today? And God, don't you know what's going on in my body? Uh, If you felt the way I felt, God, you'd do something. First half of all these religious people's prayer. They've got to inform 
poor, misinformed God about all the problems, terrible things that are going on in their life. Because he obviously doesn't know. Because if he knew, he'd do something about it. That's the way the world lives. Jesus specifically says, your father knows. You actually don't eat. I, I just saved everybody half your prayer life. So, the, so now half your prayer life, you can actually do real things like be intimate with God. You don't have to tell him all the stuff that's going on in your life. He already knows. In fact, I'll tell you this. He probably knows more than you do. He, I know, I, for some of you, it's shocking to think that somebody's smarter than you. But God is smarter than you. He actually knows what's going on in your life. And oftentimes, the, the answers to the prayers that you're praying for aren't really the answers that you need. They're the answers that you think you need. God, if I just had more money, it'd solve all my problems. And God's in heaven going, uh, your problems aren't money. Honey. Your problems are here or here. They're not money. <laughs> Amen. And then Jesus says, I think it's interesting that the genuine Jesus, just like genuine grace, the genuine Jesus oftentimes starts out trying to uh, minister to us by telling us what not to do and what we might be doing wrong. I know most people in today's world, especially in American society, like we don't want anybody ever telling us that we're doing something wrong or telling us not to do something. I know. That's why a lot of people don't like Jesus. They say they like Jesus, but they actually don't like the real Jesus. They think they, that the only Jesus that there really is is, just, is the Jesus over there that's protecting the woman that's caught in the act of adultery. That's Jesus, but then there's also a Jesus that went into a temple with a whip twice and let a bunch of folks know that there were things that were not okay. Amen. Amen. I don't have a whip for all of you that are like, don't say anything. Is he looking at me? But rather, but rather seek. This is something that we could do a little bit better in Christianity. We tell people all the time what we don't like, what we don't believe in, but we oftentimes don't tell folks what we do believe in. Amen. But rather seek. And in Matthew 6 it says, seek first. So of all the things you're seeking, I would love to do this one time where I do like a little survey where I said, everybody raise your hand if you're seeking first the king. I'm not going to do it. But I'd like to do it. And I would like for the Lord to be watching over the hands and literally say, who in here is honestly seeking first the kingdom? And don't, you don't, if you don't look at me, I'll never know. You can just nod your head and act spiritual. But if you, if you really know from the depths of your heart that the first priority of your life is to seek the king and his kingdom, then what I'm saying should be ministering to you exhortation and and compelling you but if you know in the depths of your heart that really honestly the number one thing in your life is probably not the king and his kingdom then let this inspire you there there is no condemnation there's no shame or no guilt in anything i'm saying neither was it in what the lord was saying he was just saying do this if you're not doing it 
You don't need to feel bad and terrible and, and beat yourself up and go do penance and, and go hang from a cross and bleed out. It's, that's not the Lord's plan. When the Lord says do something and you're not doing it, just repent. The word repent means that you were going a direction with the center of your thoughts. Repent means to turn completely around and to go an opposite direction with your thoughts. So if you were seeking your way of life, and you were the person on the throne, and it was your kingdom that you were building, and you hear these words, in fact, the worst thing you can do is to get condemned. Because condemnation destroys you. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you hear me say this and say, man, I'm really not seeking the king and the kingdom first, then just say, okay, me, that's me. Lord, that's not going to be me anymore. I make a decision that today you and your kingdom are first place and then you just turn around and you walk the way you're supposed to walk. And that's the narrow road that has few people on it. This is the wide road that everybody's on. That's why when you listen to the wisdom of everybody, you're going to have what they have. The world has sickness, misery, uh, poverty, lack. Uh, they struggle to go to sleep. They have no peace. They have no joy. They, have, they don't have good marriages. They don't have good family. That's the world's way. And the funny thing is, is the world writes a ton of books to tell you how to be like them. And then some of you sillies, you go buy their books. And then God says, oh, hey, there's this other way. Your marriage is awesome. Your finances are awesome because I've made you to be wealthy. Not have wealth, be wealthy. I've made you to be whole. To not have any sickness or disease. I made you to live eternally in peace because I am your Prince of Peace. I made you to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. I made a little place for you. I went to prepare a place that where I am, there you can be also. I want you to be right here. And I wrote a book for you. Well, I don't like that way. Well, then have this way. But this is really the best way to live. The amazing part is, I've had people come to me because they know that Kay and I have the best marriage on the planet. Okay, I only needed one amen. No, no, no. I literally only needed one amen. Kay and I have the best marriage on the planet. And so, and people hear us talk about that. And so we counsel people on their marriages. And I cannot tell you how many times somebody sat in my office and I'm telling hey, you should do this. And have a, you'll have a better marriage. And they say, no. Oh. Okay, well, what are you going to do? Well, I think, you know, beating her and, and stealing her car every Sunday and getting drunk on the weekends, I think that's a better way. Well, uh, I don't. And I have a great marriage. Well, I don't care what you say. And, and I know you're thinking like, nah, people don't do that. Okay, first off, yeah, they do. And secondly, we do God this way all the time. Hey, son, don't do that. No, God, look, 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 look. Here's, here, look, I got this. I got this. Just, I'll come to you if something's a mess. <laughs> you know what God says? 
Okay. <laughs> Thank God I live in you, because you're going to need me in a second or two. I feel this way all the time when I hear uh, anybody stand up here and, and do the wealth building. The time where we give you an opportunity to operate by faith in God's financial system by giving. And I know there's a ton of people. The, the statistics are 7 to 10% of the body of Christ tithes. 7 to 10% of the body of Christ tithes. So 7 to 10% of the body of Christ have said to God, I'm going to do my finances your way. 7 to 10%. Which means at least 90% of the body of Christ said, Hey God, I got this. I'll do the money. You do that whole eternity in heaven thing. And then they spend their whole life in debt, under the pressures, the miseries, the, the, the complete destruction of the economic system that this world has come to bring, and complain the entire time, and then you're going to go to heaven and you're going to find out, oh, that was how it was supposed to be? Yes. <laughs> All the time we do this, where we live our lives, where we, we tell God that we know best. When I was a kid, I used to watch black and white television because it was better and there was a show that was called Father Knows Best and the whole context of the show was dad was actually a pretty smart guy and if you did it the way dad said things would work out well Amen Amen. and then when we added color to the TV shows they made dad a doofus and turned him into Homer Simpson and now dad is an ignorant person and We wonder why society makes fun of fatherhood, and then we wonder why 51% of every child born in America today is born born fatherless. You you think that that was just to make funny shows and, and make cartoons and make fun of fathers. No, the purpose of that was to destroy the family. We had solid families when Father Knows Best was on TV. Now we have jacked up families when we have Homer Simpson on TV. Amen. But rather seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So if you're concerned about the things and stuff, then you don't have a father. I I don't... I'm not going to do this uh, publicly, but I can promise you if I brought both my children up here and said, how many times did you worry about clothes, shelter, or food from zero to 18? If, if either of them set a number greater than zero, I would probably argue with them. <laughs> but they're pro- more than likely, they never spent one second of one day from zero to 18 worrying about whether they were going to have shelter, food, or clothes. Because they had a father. My job, and you know what? They didn't even tell me how to do my job most of the time. (laughs) They just trusted that I was going to do it and I was going to do it right. Or they trusted that mom would correct me. And they, I think that they probably knew that it was honestly, um, it brought me joy to be a father for them and to them. 
in as much as this next verse. Fear not, little flock. If you're in fear, then again, you should probably recognize the fact that you're not doing this. If you hear the news come on and say, the COVID's out there and it's going to get you and kill you. You're not trusting your father. There's a Delta variant or a Lambda variant or a, I don't know, a Moon variant or Mars or Pluto, whatever. Whenever they run out of names and they keep coming up with new variants to scare everybody because the only reason they're trying to scare you is because they can control you in fear. If you're not fearful, you can't be controlled. You can only control scared people. Terrorism only works when you're afraid. Why do you think fear is always the thing that's coming across your television? (laughs) Fear not, little flock. Okay. Amen. I can do this. All right, let me say flock real quick. Flock are people that are together. You are not a flock on Facebook Live. You're not a flock just because you say you're part of a flock. Like lots of people do in Christianity. Well, I'm born again. What church do you go to? I don't go to church. So you're a single sheep flock. That works good. Well, I'm a TV flock. No, 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 no. The flock is flock. Flock is gathered together doing life. What what do sheep do when they're together? Everything. They eat together, they drink water together, they play together. I don't know, sheep play? Anybody have any sheep? Whatever they do, they shear together. Amen. They get sheared together. God bless you. Here's another thing about a flock. They have a shepherd. You know what a flock is that doesn't have a shepherd? Mutton. Mutton. That's what a flock is without a shepherd. You know what a sheep is without a flock? Mutton. You know how many Christians are mutton? Most of them. And then they complain to God. God, I'm being eaten by the wolf and the bear. I know. I actually called you into a flock with a shepherd and you said it wasn't good for you. And you went home and you had roast pastor for lunch and then you talked about all the people that sat in the row with you. And then you quit the church and you went out there and did your thing and then the bear and the lion got you. And then you're yelling at me? Uh, Let me talk to YouTube. All of you people out there that are supposed to be in here. Because all these folks are in a flock. Don't be so flocking wrong. Is that okay? No? Kay said no. Okay, Mitchell said no. I thought it, I worked on that for a while. I thought that came from the Lord. What is a kingdom? It's where dominion of a king is happening. So 
two things. There's a king and he has dominion. Now, I believe that some of you really truly have allowed Jesus to have the title of king, but you haven't necessarily allowed him to have dominion. Dominion means rule and reign. So if, if we were 500 years ago in, let's say, England, and the king of England said, hey, everybody, uh, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together and go and be part of a flock and have a shepherd. 100% of people in England would not forsake the assembling of their cells together and go be part of a flock and have a shepherd. 500 years ago, everybody would listen to the king of England. Because he's king. And they're just okay with that. We have a king. He's in charge. I'm not in charge. I'm in charge of my part. And he's in charge of being king. If we embrace that, and I know we don't want to embrace that because we're Americans. We ain't going to have no king. Last time we tried, someone had tried to give us a king, we killed all their red-coated friends. <laughs> and so now we're free and liberated. And so we ain't going to let anybody be a king. Well, what if it's Jesus? No, not even, I mean, yes, because I'm in church. But when I leave church, no, I'm going to do it my way. Only folks that have a king and have allowed him to have dominion in their life are going to have the benefits of the kingdom. Here's what most people don't understand that reject the king and the kingdom in their lives. Is there's another kingdom that you automatically are a part of. There's only two. There's no middle ground. There's no kingdom of you. And I know a lot of people think there is, but there ain't. There's either kingdom of darkness ruled by the dark Lord, or there's kingdom of light ruled by the Father of lights through Jesus Christ. There's no like third, like hidden imaginary kingdom where there's rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and pegasus and, and they drop candy out of buckets on everybody. There, that that's not, doesn't exist. And I don't care if you argue with me. I don't care if, you, if you've gone to sleep and you've seen a vision of it and you had dreams and a pegasus came and visited you in the night and dropped candy on your bed. I don't care. I'm telling you, there's only two. So either you have submitted and moved on purpose to the king and his kingdom or you are by default in another kingdom with another ruler. And I can, I'm here to tell you, and, and you don't have to believe me. You don't have to listen to me. You're obviously free. You can do whatever you want. But I'm telling you, this king and this kingdom over here in darkness, he don't like you. He don't love you. He don't want the best for you. In fact, he's doing everything he can to you out of hatred for you and for that other king. And the more you suffer, the happier he is. I said this to someone one time, and I think they didn't really believe me, but I'm, I'm here to stand by it. I'm going to say it on recording. The devil wants you dead. Uh, that's not the part. Hang on. The, the devil wants you dead. The slower and the more torturous, the better. 
This is why the enemy invented things like cancer. A nice, long, slow, 15, 20 year death. He's cool with that. Because for most people, when it takes them 10, 15, 20 years to die, they complain the whole way. And they poison hundreds and hundreds of people along the path of their death. And so then other people can be in misery based upon that death. That's why Jesus came to give us abundant life. So abundant life testifies to Jesus. And torturous death testifies to Satan. Now for some of you, he's, he's a little bit extra scared of you, so he'll kill you quicker. If he could. But for people like me, he can't kill me. So I'm not concerned about it. I have no fear of anything that he said that he's going to do to me. He's not my prophet. I have a prophet. His name is Jesus. And he has prophesied that he has come to give me life and to give it to me in abundance. And I'm going to go with his prophecy and reject every other thing that comes from that other kingdom. I would encourage you to do the same. It is your Father's good pleasure. It pleases your Father for you to allow Him to have the dominion in your life that brings abundance into your life. His kingdom is the kingdom of love. I'm going to show you this in a minute. But I want to say that one cannot seek the kingdom without seeking the king. And one cannot seek the king without seeking the kingdom. You cannot seek the kingdom without seeking the king. And you cannot seek the king without seeking the kingdom. You can't separate these. So you can't say like, I love Jesus, but I don't like his kingdom. I love... Uh, I love Jesus, but I don't like His people. I, I love Jesus, but I don't like His Word. I don't like the Bible. Uh, I love Jesus, but I don't like what He died for. I love Jesus, but I don't love healing. I love Jesus, but I don't love prosperity. I love Jesus, but I don't love... I don't love Anything that, that He has provided for us in the kingdom, you can't separate that out. Because what you do is you actually, in a way, you end up maligning Jesus in your heart. Because if he, if he died for it, if He atoned for it, if He bled for it, and you reject it, then it's not just rejecting His gifts, it's rejecting the giver. And if you reject the kingdom that He came to establish, then by default you reject the King. And I know a lot of people don't like this, and I, and I get it, I understand, I had to process it too. But you either accept the King and His kingdom... Or you're telling God like He's wrong and you're right. And that's a terrible way to live your life. God is right. In our world today, Amen, I can do this. Praise God. In our world today, there are a lot of fronts that are trying to come against the borders of the kingdom of God. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of offensive places that the 
kingdom of darkness is trying to invade into the kingdom of light. There's a lot of ways that the enemies of our king want to invade themselves into our lives, into our souls, to, uh, to put us in fear and, and trepidation and anxiousness and, and get us concerned and, and worried and stressed and all these things kill you. Stress kills you. Stress will kill you faster than being uh, diabetic. Stress will kill you. Talk to any medical person. And the enemy is trying to invade, especially the church. Why do you think the church was non-essential when they did all the shutdowns? The church, non-essential. The, this country wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Christians starting it. If you don't believe me, go research the Founding Fathers. They were all crazy sold out to God and died for it. This country would not exist if it wasn't for the crazy, whacked out kingdom people. And then 244 years later, we say, hey, that we don't need the kingdom people. You can shut that down. We got this. If you're a student of history, you'll find out that at the, pretty much around the same time that we were doing the American Revolution, they were having a French Revolution. The American Revolution was taking place with a bunch of kingdom-minded people that were trying to establish freedom and liberty for each single individual that there was no person that was better than another person and they were going to have a government, a government based upon we the people that had elections that had elections. that had elections that decided who was going to represent them and if they didn't represent them well they fired them and then they had a French revolution that said we're going to have a government that is completely self-centered where we get God out because the problem in France is God and so if we get God out and we stop being godly like people we're going to have a great nation The French Revolution led to the guillotine and tens of thousands of people murdered in the streets. The American Revolution led to the greatest nation ever formed by human hands that has ever existed in human knowledge and has created freedom that has literally gone all over the world so that people in Cuba that are being oppressed by their government walk around marching carrying American flags. Those two revolutions were taking place at the same time. Basically, godless and kingdom. And the kingdom one survived. Since then, France has gone through, I think it's 26 different governments. We've had one. And we're about to go into an even greater one, in Jesus' name. There is all these fronts that are offensively coming after the people of God, that are offensively coming after our nation, that are offensively coming after the church. That's why they were shutting down the church. That's why they were trying to get all of you to get in fear, because if they can get you into fear, you can doubt God. Psalm 91 says, No plague will come nigh my dwelling. Well, I don't mean what it says that it means. Okay. Be it unto you according to your faith, just like Mitchell said. If you believe that a plague cannot con- come nigh your dwelling, then you can have whatever you believe. But if you believe that Psalm 91 actually means what Psalm 91 means, then no plague will come nigh your dwelling. We haven't had a plague in our dwelling. 
We've been open for since the pandemic. We've never shut down. We've had thousands of people come through here. Somebody guess how many people died of the plague. That's right. It would be zero. Zero. And in all the places where they say that you're safe, in your home with your mask on, sitting in a bathtub of hand sanitizer, you know, you know how many of those people have died? Uh, I know, it's coincidental. Or it's not. I want to show you an expression that I think is um, probably one of the most shaking. Now, I want to warn you that the intention of this um, is good. So I want you to I want you to watch this from a kingdom perspective. Do not watch this um, just from your soul. Does everybody pinky promise me? This is yes. No. If you're if you're a no, go in the yellow room. All right, uh, Mary, go ahead and rip it. This pause is for dramatic effect. Because <laughs> when the video starts, you're going to be like, oh, Pastor was right. It was really awesome. If it, if it don't work, you can tell me. <laughs> or not. So Americans are very decent people to their great and enduring credit. And as they watch what's happening on television, their hearts have swelled with sympathy. Again, that's not sarcastic. It's real. You live in a country where people really care about people they've never met before. And that's why it's a great country, because it's filled with great and compassionate people, even if they reach different conclusions from what you would reach. So in the last week, a small number of Americans have headed to Afghanistan and the region to help evacuate people who are trapped there because the Biden administration just isn't doing that very effectively. Glenn Beck is one of those, one of those Americans trying to help. His charity, the Nazarene Fund, has already helped rescue thousands of Afghan Christians from the country. Glenn Beck joins us now from a location in the region. We'll leave it there. Glenn Beck, thanks so much Thank you very for coming much. on. Um, so you just headed over there at the drop of a hat. I have, you were texting me on the way. I'm I was kind of amazed. Um, tell us what you've seen since you've been there. What have you learned? What's it like? Um, I'm not um, in Afghanistan. I'm in one of the countries in the region that are actually taking these people um, as refugees, as a weighing station, just to get them off of the tarmac. They, they do not want to be identified because they are concerned about the new... Um, coming terror that is going to be happening yeah. in the region. Um, I will tell you that uh, we, have, we have pulled out 5,100 uh, people, uh, Christians, women, children, um, and put them on planes. See what you're seeing there is one of the last planes that took off before the bombing. 
uh, or bombings today, um, we had about 500 refugees, women and children mainly, um, and we had them inside of the airport today. And uh, one military official um, asked them, uh, didn't ask them, ordered them to go back on the other side of the gate. I have pictures of them this morning pleading to get back through the gate. Um, and then I have pictures of blood and body parts and um, nothing but death in that same area. We believe that our State Department uh, is directly responsible for what we believe were some of these people. I don't know how many survived. Oh. Have you been able to get a sizable number of Christians out of Afghanistan? It seems like that's a group that would need to leave. 5,100. Um, the, wow. the, uh, the country that I'm in right now is at their limit. There are only three countries. The State Department has blocked us every step of the way. They have The State Department and the White House have been the biggest problem. Listen. Everyone else, everyone else has been working together putting aside differences and trying to get these people to safety. The State Department and the White House have blocked us every single step of the way. In fact, an ambassador was called in Macedonia last night uh, and, and told uh, not to accept any of these people as we were trying to get them off of the tarmac here to keep the airport flowing and getting these Christians out. We haven't really been able to move anybody for about 12 hours our mission is now changing greatly. We have to send people into even greater danger to try to smuggle these Christians out who are marked not just for death, but to be set on fire alive because they're converted Christians. Uh, also, tomorrow I'm getting back onto another plane. So, you know, not funded by the Nazarene Fund. Nothing I am doing here. I'm paying for this here. Copeland Ministries has, has let me borrow their jet. But we're going someplace else to open up two countries, and I don't even want to say who they are, because I'm afraid our State Department will call them yep. and threaten them. Uh, but we are going to move these people to new homes, and they are going to be a blessing to some country. I don't know why we have open borders. I mean, it's really interesting. We have open borders and closed airports. One group of people um, are exploited, raped, and killed by drug cartels. And then the other group of people are raped, exploited, and crucified or set on fire by terrorists. There seems to be a pattern with the Biden administration. Yeah. So Islamic countries, Muslim countries, are more eager to accept Christians from Afghanistan than our State Department, which really it, these you a lot. This country that I'm in, I begged them last night to let me tell them, tell the world who they are. They... They have more compassion for these Christians than our American government. And it is insulting, embarrassing, and wrong. Yeah. What our government is doing now, I believe, is out and out evil. Well, I hope you'll come. I hope at some point you'll tell us what country that is. Glenn Beck, Godspeed. Thank, Thank you. you. God bless you. Thank you. All right. No, I'm not. I'm not playing that to do some... I told you to please watch from a kingdom perspective. And I know that's super hard for people. Because we're, we're so baptized in carnality. But if you heard from a kingdom perspective, you heard Glenn Beck, 
who loves God. David Barton was mentioned, was mentioned uh, which is a guy that absolutely adores God. And Copeland Ministries, which is referencing Kenneth Copeland. And I'll tell you that those three guys are some of the most attacked people in our nation today. And they, of their own money, their own resources, and against the U.S. government leaders, I say that so (laughs) almost ironically, that they went over there and they're rescuing, at this point, 5,100 people that are stranded in a country that was abandoned by our current leadership so that people can be tortured. And the re- I'm not doing some political thing here. I'm telling you, this is why I'm at war with some of these government actors. This is why I have no... Uh, I'm not concerned about standing up here and telling you right and wrong, good and evil. I don't care who it is. If it's a president, I don't care if he's a Republican president or a Democrat president. When there's evil, I'm going to tell you there's evil. When there's something wrong, I'm going to tell you something's wrong. The scriptures are super clear. You don't leave people in the hands of evil intended, wicked, destructive governments and people. You don't do that. You don't make decisions that put people in harm's way. And I want to show you that this is a a clear picture of the dichotomy between right and wrong, good and evil. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. In the kingdom of darkness, you have people that want to set Christians on fire because they converted. And they're being encouraged to do so by some of the people that are in our government. And so I'm not making this about some Muslim nation or some terrorist group. Like, there's evil everywhere. But then there's good everywhere. You've got Glenn Beck, who is, I'm, I'm almost sure that he's a, a, a Latter-day Saint or, or Mormon or something like that. He's not like full-on, like, wheels-off weirdo Christian like we are. <laughs> and then you've got David Barton, who's awesome, amazing Christian, but still not quite as wheels off as we are. And then you got Brother Copeland, who's pretty wheels off, but not exactly like us. But the fact are, is that the Christians, the body of Christ, will take those three people and vilify them, make them the, the enemies and the evil ones, and then talk good about our government and talk good about some of the terrorist organizations. And we don't know, and we can't figure this out. I have, I have, I have openly, publicly defended Brother Copeland. Brother Copeland is like my father in the faith. This church would not be here if it was not for Kenneth Copeland. You would not be right here today if it wasn't for Kenneth Copeland. And I know he gets picked on. He's got a big house and he's got airplanes. Guess what he's doing with his airplanes? And the same people that got a problem with Brother Copeland having airplanes because he's a preacher. Look, I've asked this question, and if you know the answer because I've told you, then hush. If you don't 
If I've never told you and you think you know the answer, then you can scream it out. But who has the largest privately held air fleet of airplanes in the world? Anybody know? Budweiser. 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 So the people that are mad at Kenneth Copeland for having airplanes don't know that the largest privately held air fleet of airplanes in the world is Budweiser, who uses their airplanes to fly around the world to get people to be drunk. And Brother Copeland uses his airplanes to get Christians out of Afghanistan. And we're so quick to vilify Brother Copeland, because he's got airplanes. Thank God. Thank God Brother Copeland has an airplane. Because if we were dependent on Budweiser to get those people out of Afghanistan, guess how many that would have been? This is the purpose. Thank God that Brother Copeland is preaching prosperity and people are responding. Because he had an airplane that got people out of Afghanistan. And if you've got a problem with that, that's fine. You and Jesus go work that out. But thank God. Thank God Glenn Buck has a huge voice. With a lot of people. Thank God he's on TV. He's on the evil media. Thank God he's a voice. And then he had the opportunity to go out there and say, Hey, we need help. And he could run off. And he raised, this is another part that people didn't go, he raised millions of dollars to do this, to go rescue these people. And David Martin is one of the strongest constitutionalists that probably has ever existed in our nation. And thank God he's over there and doing everything he can from the legal. You got Glenn Beck doing it from the money. You got Brother Copeland doing airplanes. You got... And these are the people that we want to attack. The kingdom of darkness is trying to do all these terrible things. And the kingdom of light is supposed to be doing all these, ter- all these good things. And I'm here to tell you, it is time for us to go to war. We've been in this little defensive stance just hoping that darkness doesn't sneak into our house and come disrupt our cool, amazing little American life. If it disrupts my TV schedule, I'm out. I went... I didn't, wasn't going to say this. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. First John chapter 4. You don't know how hard it is to, to guard up here. First John chapter 4. The kingdom of love, the kingdom of love operates differently than the kingdom of darkness. How do you know what's God? How do you know what's not? Love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. I'm going to come back to verse 7, but I'm going to read through 7 and 8. Beloved. Who's that? Let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. Okay, God is love. We need to get this for real. He doesn't have love. He doesn't do love. He is love. This table is wood and metal. It is the entire composition of what it is. 
It, it doesn't do wood and metal. It is wood and metal. God is love. So He doesn't have love for you. He is love for you. So everything that God is, everything He does, every word, every action, every everything comes from what He is. This is so important. So I'm going to back up, back to verse 7. It says, Beloved, you and I, let us love one another, for love is of God. So if it's not of God, it cannot have love. I have been... I have had so many people do terrible and say terrible things to me because of this specific thing. And I used to wrestle with God. I'm like, God. And He said, one of the reasons that you're, you're trying to wrestle with me is because you're letting them, with their negative opinion, affect you. He said, just let them know that I wrote it and you'll be okay. And so I started doing this. I'm like, hey, do you know that you can't love someone without God? Ah, oh, you evil Christian preacher guy telling me I can't love people without God? You can't, I didn't say it. God said it. Beloved, let's hold on for love is of God. Love is of God. So if you don't have God, you don't have love. If you're not born again, you don't have love. Well, I know people that aren't born again that have good marriages and love their kids. Okay, that's fine. Not agape. This is agape, which is God's kind of love. You might have phileo love, which is friendship love. You might have familial love, which is uh, family love. But you do not have agape love. Agape love is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Agape love is Jesus on the cross. This is agape love. Selflessness. Amen. Recognizing your need... And providing it with His blood. Agape love is the love we're supposed to have. Phileo love, familial love, is the love that most of us do have. That is, if I, uh, if I fold all the laundry for Kay, maybe she'll get frisky tonight. Right? Because that's how it, everything's based on performance. If I say nice things to people, they'll say nice things back. If I do nice things for people, they better do nice things for me back. Don't you know what I've done for you? Hey, children, don't you know how much I invested in your life and I raised you and I fed you and I changed your diaper? You better do something nice for me. Everything in this world is based upon performance. You learn it from a little child. A, B, C, D, E, F, G... Now I said my ABCs, tell me what you think of me. <gasps> oh, you did so good. You said all your ABCs. Way to go, honey. You're so special. Oh, I pooped my diaper. How many times have I told you, if you've got to go poop, will you go poop in the potty? We've, we've, tra- we've been trained since this old that everything in this world is based upon performance. And then we wonder why we go from relationship to relationship to relationship because they're not performing the way they want. Well, if Kay would perform better for me, then I would love her more. You know, that, that, they actually teach that in psychology. If you want people to love you more, perform more. 
And then we come with this broken belief system to God and we never allow ourselves to be changed over into His belief system, which is agape love. Agape love is, I am love, and I don't care what you do, what you don't do, what you ever think or what you don't think. I don't care how you look, how you smell. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how much education you do you don't have. I don't care how much you've sinned or not sinned. I love you. I love you. And this is such a tenuous subject matter that it's so hard to get this into people's lives. Because there is nothing on this planet, nothing, that gives a representation of agape love. Nothing. Everything in this world is based on performance. Everything. And then God comes and He did all the performance. And all He wants you to do is see it. He just wants you to see it, feel it, know it, and experience it. And because we've been so jacked up and baptized in human philosophy, we cannot A, embrace it, or B, ever give it away. That's why love is of God. You actually have to be born. You have to be born again to even think about giving this. You can't give this in your own strength. You don't know how. You have to have divine energy in you to see someone broken, pitiful, stank, the, the dredges of society, the worthless of the worthless, the most unvaluable, the, the most terrible wicked, and to see them, and to see them in purity of love. To see a woman caught in the act of adultery, caught in the very act. For, I don't know if you've ever thought about it. I've meditated on these kind of things for so long. They probably brought her. She was probably half-dressed. That's a really pretty picture, but it might not be authentic. They probably brought her half-dressed. She was probably still dripping with the filth of what she did from the night before. Stinking. Like whatever guy or guys she was with. And threw her on the temple steps in front of the rabbi, who was the holiness of God embodied, the holiness of God. And he, Jesus, protects her from them. Because he's seen the value that they didn't. And we live our lives this way. Always looking at people based upon the value that we imply. And what they're doing and not doing. You're not pleasing me right now. And then we sit in front of God and we wonder why we don't feel the, plea, the pleasure of God. Because you've put everybody under your, your microscope of pleasure. They're not pleasing me. They're not pleasing me. They're not pleasing me. So there's, therefore, there's no way I'm pleasing to God.
His kingdom is the kingdom of love. Everything in His kingdom works this way. And if you don't get this, you will never live and operate from His kingdom. You will stay in this dark kingdom and it will be all performance based and it will be stress and it will be grind and it will be sweat of your brow and it will be your own caloric burn. And hopefully you make it to the end. But we all know you ain't gonna because you ain't got enough strength. And you were never meant to. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God. Born of God, number one. You've got to be born of God. You don't get this because it's a cool message. You're not going to hear Pastor Steve preach on the love of God and you're just going to say, okay, I'm going to do that. It don't work that way. You've got to be born of God. You can't have this come out until it's been in. You can't give away what you don't have. And secondly, you have to know Him. And knoweth God. Know means intimate, personal, experiential. I use this example all the time. Everybody in here knows K, likely, most of you. But none of you know K like I know K. None of you. And this is exactly the difference. A lot of people know God. Well, I know that verse, and I know that chapter, and I know that thing, and, you know, didn't he do the whole, you know, flood thing? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about God. You, you know about God. You know of God. You've heard with the hearing of the ear, but you've never actually seen with the seeing of the eyes, like Job said. It's not about knowing about God. It's not about being a theologian. It's not about knowing all your cool hermeneutics and reading all the cool theologians and knowing how to quote all of them. It's do you know the author of the book that you're talking so pontifically about? I don't care if you can quote it. Do you know Him? Can you live it? I've said this way more often out in the streets. I don't care how many verses you can quote to me. What I care about is how many verses you can live. And most can't live any. Because they all start with the first commandment, which is love. Love. It's the first commandment. It's the oldest commandment. It's the new commandment. It's the only commandment. Love. We're commanded by God to love God, to love our neighbor. We can't love our spouse. We're going to love our neighbor. We can't love our brother in the church. We're going to love a terrorist. Are are you for real? We, We need to get this. The reason the world has embraced and been been overwhelmed and overshadowed by darkness is because the only thing that pushes back darkness is light. And people of light are people of love. And so the only thing that's going to combat the darkness and the terrorism and the evil and the wickedness that's in our nation are people of light and people of love. And we're busy getting divorced and complaining about our co-workers and our boss 
while darkness is saying, hey, you guys just keep it up. Way to go, church. You're really helping me out. And then somebody's probably going to watch this news broadcast and say, Copeland Ministries, how dare you, Fox News? Don't you know? (laughs) While they do, guess what they're doing? I went to... I wasn't going to say this. This is twice that it came up, so we'll just go ahead. So I was at a local school board meeting, and I tried to... Uh, with documentation, scientific, I had 200, 200 scientific, peer-reviewed, medically sound reports that proved that forced masking of children is child abuse. Proved it. And told them, please don't do this. And they voted to accept the money instead of protecting the children. And that's not, don't worry, I'm going to go to war on that too. But that's not where I'm going. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I had a couple people, just a couple. There were 70 parents there. And I've had a couple people approach me and say, I'm not okay with this and I'm going to do something. I would like to do something. 70 parents that were against it and so far about five people that have actually reached out to me said I actually want to do something now listen the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is exactly where we're at wow I can't believe that this administration's doing that to all those people oh yeah what are you doing about it well I'm complaining because that fixes everything love is John 3.16. God's seen the misery of people and did something. I know a lot of you personally. uh, A lot of you I don't. So I'm not saying this to anybody. So if you think I'm talking about you, you're just selfish. (laughs) But this has become the thing is to complain about stuff. Especially publicly, because now everybody has a public voice. You've got social media. you got Everybody has a public voice. And so they think they are satisfying the needs of our nation by complaint. I shared a meme, Pastor. I'm engaged. Okay, well, God bless you. You shared a meme. If God just had more spiritual warriors like you, we would just take over the whole world. Because you shared a meme. Wow. Because we are not actually living this. Love is not a feeling, y'all. Verse 9 says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His Son, His only begotten Son, into the world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 into the world that we might live through Him. In this was manifested, clear, obvious. It was clear and obvious of the love of God for Jesus. What does the love of God look like? A bloody crucifixion. That had no benefit whatsoever to Jesus. 
And you know how many times I get, well, I just don't feel the love of God. I don't feel like... I'm not, I, I, I've had thousands of people. I have preached on the love of God literally all over the world. I have had thousands of people come up to me and say, Pastor, will you pray for me that I'll feel the love of God, that I'll have an experience with the love of God? If this doesn't do it for you, if the manifestation of the love of God, of Jesus Christ, God Himself, humbling Himself, being born in the womb of a woman, going through 30 years of complete... uh, people completely ignoring Him for 30 years. Don't give a rip. You're God. Think about that. You're God. You're God. And people are ignoring you by the millions probably about how he feels now. And then you come out for three and a half years and you do the supernatural, incredible ministry where you touch everybody's life that comes to you. And then you take every sin, every sickness, every disease, every single aspect of the curse, you take it into you. Into you. You become the curse. And you are mutilated mutilated, tortured by people you created. And then you hang on a tree dripping out every breath and every drop of life so that everyone can have it. And then somebody says, Pastor, pray for me that I'll know the love of God. It's hard for me. Because if this doesn't do it, you think my prayer is going to do it. (laughs) This is the manifestation of God's love. If that doesn't impact you, if you can think about Jesus, and you don't get it, or you don't have some feeling, or you don't have some warm fuzzy, or a tingle, and so therefore, you're not just going to be... You're going to ignore all that radical Christianity. I'm not putting my hands up in worship. I don't want people to know that I surrendered to God. I'm not getting on my knees. Did you see those weirdos getting on their knees during worship? What are they, like, love Jesus? Did you see those people dancing in praise? It's it's a bunch of weirdos. I know. Did you see Jesus on the cross? No, you didn't. Because if you've seen him on the cross and we're singing about him, the love of God is the silver bullet of doctrine. If you knew the love of God, if Jesus was willing, it says in Romans 8.32, now I'm Russian. Romans 8.32 says that, it, that if he was willing to go to the cross for us, how much more willing is he to do anything else? I tell you what, this is so such clear doctrine. Well, I don't know if God is the God of prosperity. Okay, He's willing to die for you, but He's not willing to help you with your finances. I can assure you, I'm way more willing to help you with your finances, with my level of love, than I am to die for you. In fact, some of you, I pray it, never mind. (laughs) I don't know if God's willing to heal me. He's willing to die for you? And you're struggling with whether he'll heal you? Are you for real? Well, I don't know if God will help me with my depression. 
He's willing to do this. And you don't know if He'll impact your soul? This is the silver bullet of doctrine. Anything you come up with, if you filter it through the authentic, agape, selfless love of God. Now listen, He died for people that He knew would reject Him. You wouldn't. Not on your best day. You might die for someone that you knew was going to build a statue in your effigy. But you would definitely not die for someone that was going to reject you, curse you, make fun of you, worship your enemy. You wouldn't die for a Satanist. Jesus did. He died for people that don't care at all about Him. That make fun of Him. They made a cartoon and put it on Netflix where Jesus was on the cross and, and just to be blasphemous, they had Him come down off the cross and get Uzis and shoot everybody and then go into a room and have a... with a bunch of girls. Just to make fun of Jesus on Netflix. And some of you, God bless you, you pay for Netflix. You just paid for them to do that to Jesus. Jesus died for the writers of that show. Jesus died for Judas. And you think you're justified to talk about all the people that have done terrible things to you. The kingdom of God coming into your life comes one road. That road is love. And there's only one road back out of your heart if you're operating in the kingdom, and it's love. Jesus said, a new commandment that I give you, that you love one another like I loved you. He defined it. If you're going to operate in God's kind of love, the way it looks is Jesus. And we've made it cool for us to say that, well, I'm not Jesus, and so I can't do things like him. But then he said, the way you're going to love is like I loved. Okay, fine. You're not Jesus. We all got it. Trust me. We got it. But Jesus said, you love the way I love. Are you doing that? Everything I minister comes out of the finished work of the cross. This finished work of the cross manifested, showed us the love of God. In the garden, Adam was perfect. Was Adam as perfect as Jesus? Yeah. The difference was, Adam doubted the love of God and believed the enemy. Jesus did not doubt the love of God and believed his Father. In the garden, the love of God was started. In the Old Testament, the love of God was developed. In Jesus, the love of God was perfectly expressed. At the cross, the love of God was finished. And through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the love of God is experienced. You can live a good life and not love God. But you cannot love God and not live a good life. And I hope you got that. The kingdom coming into your life is the kingdom of love. The king is the king of love.
And until you let this take place in all the areas of your life, you are not going to see the kingdom come and the Lord's will be done on this earth as it's being done in heaven. We've seen a video clip of God's will not being done on earth the way it's done in heaven. And we have ownership there. So whatever you need to engage, whatever your place of warfare is, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your local school board, Jesus' name. Whatever it is, whatever your place is, it is not okay for you to allow people's lives to be hurt, hindered, destroyed, and stand by idly. This is the opposite of what God did. God's seen the destruction taking place in humanity that we did to ourselves. God didn't do it. And He still solved the problem through His only beloved Son dying for each of us. Please rise. I'd like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.